Episode 25 of the Green Light Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Making Gunner. Can't wait for today. we got a bunch of stuff to get into. Uh, we have our favorite number 25, obviously. We have uh, news about the gentleman in our fantasy football league that's getting dyed tips. Uh, something's happening there. We have Eli's retirement. Uh, we have a bunch of Super Bowl rankings from uniforms to Super Bowl rings, the whole nine yards. And then we're going to draft uh, all the offensive players in the Super Bowl. So there's a lot to get to. It's ambitious, but it's Friday. I'm juiced for the weekend, even if there's no football. Uh, hopefully that energy will carry us through this pod. Welcome to episode 25, the first weekend that we're getting ready to talk about with on the Greenlight Podcast with no football. Thanks, Chris. That's right. Back to you. Yeah, it sucks. I don't know what to do this weekend. Well, you need to get your sleep. Yeah. Get your hydration up. Yeah. Because you have Miami on the horizon. Yeah, I got to go to Miami and the... The schedule in Miami on the drinking front is there's no, like, hashtag no days off. Right. Nobody, nobody, it's not acceptable to tell somebody, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pack it in tonight and watch a movie. Well, hot take, last call is a good thing. Yeah. And there might not be one. Yeah. On South Beach. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's a scary prospect, but I will be down in Miami next week uh, making a little money, doing a little content. I will be down Wednesday night, but... Uh, we will be back Tuesday with another green light pod, but let's get to today's green light pod. This is the 25th episode. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, <laughs> sure does. You know what isn't so much fun is the jersey number 25 I found out. So, so I'll let you go first because you told me this was uh, one of the hardest things you've ever done. Yeah, it really was. And uh, rewarding to be on the top of this mountain now yeah. with a great selection Yeah, in... Number 25, Penny Hardaway at Memphis State. What? And check out this picture. You love it. Anthony Dion Hardaway before switching to number one, which makes sense, Penny. Yeah, yeah. In the NBA, wore number 25 at Memphis, where he is now the head coach, of course, currently driving a once squeaky clean program Right into the ground really? with current and future sanctions. Yeah, they had the Wiseman kid who's no longer eligible. He's pulling uh, pretty impressive recruiting classes after Golly. coaching AAU and the like. But he wore number 25 <laughs> at Memphis and looks cool. Really? Looked cool doing it. Yeah. And I scoured NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, and, and Penny was the I, – I, I dug deep, found Penny wearing the 25 – I can't, it's a fine number. I wouldn't pick it, but I was surprised. Yeah, that, it's, it's one of those numbers that's pretty much for running backs in the NFL. Or a baseball player. You know, basketball, there's so many great numbers around it. Yeah, disgraced baseball players, I saw. Yeah, there were a few that loved the, uh, the steroids. Yeah, that's know? right. Back in the, it was uh, Palmero and... Uh, Big Mac. Big Mac. Mark McGuire. Uh, um, Barry Bonds wore 25. Barry Bonds. This is the number of the juicers. So yeah. it's going to be a juicy show. Will you rate my Penny Hardaway poll? 
one to ten. Eight out of ten. A little gimmicky, but certainly one that I didn't come across. Hmm. I mean, he wore the number. Yeah, he we wore didn't. the number, no doubt about it. On that topic, I really wanted to pick George Brett. Mm-hmm. But he was five his whole career. He ended up on this this list. I guess he was twenty five at one point, maybe. Um, George Brett to me is a legend for uh, going viral at spring training. Uh, do you remember when he was trying to tell everybody he pooped his pants a bunch? Oh he no, he was mic'd up. You haven't seen that one on YouTube? Go check it out. YouTube uh, George Brett shits his pants or something like that. Um, my man told multiple stories. Of pooping his pants. It's not a one-time thing for him. I, I'm assuming he knew he was mic'd up. Uh, I think he was a manager at this point of some sort or a coach. I don't know what the hell they call him in baseball. Uh, I do watch baseball, not into the managers, but he, um, it was during stretch and he comes over and he's telling the guys all these stories about when he pooped his pants at the Bellagio, had a nice crab dinner in the middle of the Bellagio lobby uh did the did the deed uh and and then stretch ends and the guys are uncomfortably trying to walk away and he's still running them down telling them stories about how he shit his pants so that's my george brett uh i'm uncomfortably <laughs> trying to walk away at this point but, but i uh i ended up uh with freddie bolitnikoff okay yeah fair fair pick oh that's great hair yeah, from so fred. so fred um uh, Hall of Famer, Super Bowl six MVP. That's him with the Alouettes after his NFL career uh, on the left and uh, obviously with the Raiders on the right. He uh, he was the uh, Super Bowl six MVP. He had swag. He had a single bar face mask. He had a dirty, dirty mustache. He looked like a real-life Uncle Rico. Um, <laughs> the NFL should mandate you know, one Bolitnikoff type player just to keep the youth white wideouts playing hard and following their dreams. Because that's basically like, when you read about this guy, every stereotype was mentioned. Not a straight line guy, not too fast, really crisp route runner, really smart player, all those stereotypes. His nickname was the Coyote. Mm, That's great. Yeah, he was a Russian from Erie. He was like his grandparents were Russian immigrants. Uh, he got the stickum from Lester Hayes. Uh, he also doctored his pads and his jerseys. One of the first guys to do that in the Raiders organization for sure. Al Davis wasn't a big fan of that. And, um, he smoked cigarettes and puked before every game, according to John Madden. Mm. I, I sometimes wonder if you smoke cigarettes before or during a game, which most guys did back in the day. You saw the Len Dawson thing, uh, resurface after Joe Burrow. I'm wondering what your pregame meal was. Bologna sandwich, fried, fried, just no vegetables. Well, no complex carbs, potato salad, macaroni salad, some chips. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, I can't believe their engines ran on that shit. And Freddie Bolitnikoff looks like a guy who lives in a van down by the river. Yeah. And, uh, he's a legend for that. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's ridiculous to me that that was their diet and that's the way they, by the way, he also recorded 10 or rece- uh, 40 receptions in 10 straight years. And that was a record at the time, 40 receptions a year for 10 years that had never been done before. So it sh- goes to show you how much the game has changed. Also, he was like the AFL, he was like the AFL poster child, you know, back in the day and we're, we're researching these early Super Bowls. It wasn't like it is now. I mean, there was bad blood between the AFL and the NFL and the AFL was, Oftentimes the dog, um, oftentimes the dog, the first decade of the Super Bowl and kind of the outcast. So he was, he was kind of the poster child and, um, 
Yeah. And now he's immortal because we have the Bolitnikoff Award in college football. We do, um, which is given to the best running back in the nation. Con. <laughs> Where'd he go to school? Uh, Florida State. That's right. FSU. F-L-O-R-I-D-A-S-T-A-T-E. <laughs> it's one of my things. Yeah, why, like do you, why do you have to spell your school? Florida State. Uh, Clemson. Listen. Others. I, I think there's a... There's a thing where I'm going to lay out of this one so I don't look like a, a big Virginia fan. Okay. Um, but you can check out uh, the work he does off the, off the field still to this day. You know, 40 years later, he, he's making a big impact. He lost a daughter to domestic violence, and I did not know this. He has a great organization that, uh, and I quote, enable, we enable young people to reach their full potential through community and education programs that address substance abuse and domestic violence. Bolitnikoff.org. I thought it was a really great site. I was perusing it. Uh, obviously, a sad story that he's turned into, um, you know, being very productive towards a cause. So, Freddie's still doing good, good work, and uh, he was a hell of a player. That's my number 25. So, nicely done. And jump yeah. on to youtube.com, subscribe to the Chalk Media channel yep. to see two great pictures you or you and or Cowboy Reed pulled of Fred Bolitnikoff. Yeah, they were great. See, I want to get to some, some quick bad news. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of good news, but the the doomsday clock is 100 seconds from midnight, according to the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. That's the closest since the Cold War. Little factoid in 1991, we were 17 minutes from it. Now we're 100 seconds. So, hmm. uh, not to bring the mood down, I'll give you some more trivial bad news. Kevin Back, your good friend, uh... Slipped a disc in his back putting together a back machine. <laughs> so our thoughts and our prayers are with you as you work your way off of the DL. Kevin Backey might be the best guy I know. Um, his name's Backey. Yeah, I know. And he's now hurt his back. So what did you say his nickname should be? Bad Back Backey. <laughs> My back just cracked laughing. This is no bullshit. Uh, get well soon. Get Kev. well soon. Don't take our laughter for um, apathy. We that, are. That's we, right. We, we care. are empathetic. That's right. Yeah, we care a lot. By the way, this week uh, also want to shout out Waylon for um, proposing in a way. And this is my three-year-old son a new numeric system to um, to signify if you're doing a number one or a number two in his system. A number three is both. Mm. A number four is PP, and a number five is poo. And I think that there's, there's a level of genius to that because that's a really covert way to say what you have to do. Yeah, I'm with him on the three because with number three, you give number one its due, yeah. no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, um, number one really gets lost when you're when you're at number two i said when we started this that i wouldn't get into this it's too easy to pull you into this stuff it's too easy um so yeah that that's evidently the new thing is hey hey you asked me what i'm going i'm going number four okay <laughs> i'm taking a leak okay uh, and nobody's gonna know so we're not gonna let conrath get off the hook here are we no not at all um you know more friends, shout out, shout out to Matt Conrath, uh, former NFL player, member of the Fantasy Football League of Gentlemen of Charlottesville, who, uh, you saw it? I just saw the picture. In the, real time, the can after. I see it? Can I see it? Yeah. 
So we had a picture. I don't think that's that what we, we were after. I think it's way worse. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so let's throw up what we got a couple hours ago. Oh. This is Conrath at the stylist today getting his dyed tips. Yeah, those he aren't tips. Dead that's last. The, it's not the. It's not just the tip. He finished the, dead last in our fantasy football league. That's and the whole thing. That is the whole thing. I think he waited until he grew his hair out long so he can just cut it all off. I and think, he's got that dark hair, man. Nice full head of hair, very dark hair. We'll post the after on uh, Wednesday's show. Looking like a skunk. But Looking like a blonde that skunk. That is something. And we should also mention, we would be remiss yeah. if we did not mention that Conrath had freaking Lamar Jackson on his club this year. Like <laughs> a historically good fantasy football season. Oh, and, uh, and we should also mention that Conrath is six foot seven, so hard to hide with the Guy Fieri's when you're six foot seven. Let me just run through his first few picks: James Conner, Antonio Brown, Stephon Diggs, Jared Goff, fourth round, Trey Burton, fifth round, Tariq Cohen, Danny Dola, Alan Cohen, Robinson. Cohen was a downer for him this year. Muhammad Sanu, Cole Beasley in there. Interesting draft. Got Lamar late. Got DK in the last round, but. Not enough. Not enough. That's quite a quite a picture. My stomach's a, a bit upset. I hope he doesn't listen to that. that oh, is, my goodness. Well, you know, we'll get him on the pod here soon. Good on you for honoring Yeah, that's a man stakes, of uh, integrity there. Uh, I want to do a quick thing where I ask you um, a question every week for advice. Okay. It's, you don't have any warning. I did not warn you about this question before the show. There's just certain things I sit around and wonder, and you are a great moral authority. Um and so we'll start with this question that's been on my mind for years, honestly. I was too afraid to sound dumb and ask anybody, but I'll just do it. Do you tip for takeout? Your timing's wild because I, uh, I'm about to be a guest on a podcast. Yeah. I'm a CBS sports radio producer. Yeah. Who is also an Uber Eats driver. And we're going to talk all about this topic. So I've been prepping actually. Wow. And it's tough for me too. Um, usually, No. Wow. And you know Did me. Did you audible gasp from I've, behind the edit bay there? Now. Serial killer. Really good tipper if I'm dining in. Yeah. But. Well, what's, know, what's, what's good tipper? I mean, 20 is a baseline. 20 is baseline. Yeah. 15. What does somebody have to do to get 15? Something bad. But you're still going to get the tip. Yeah. Yeah. What does somebody have to do to get zero tip? Mm. Mm. Punch my son. Yeah, something along. Yeah, you can you can spill something on me. Got to catch them dragging their their grundle across my uh, across my my eggs and you know it's got to be something really bad, dude. Listen, I go to Sticks Kebab Shop. Shout out, you got Brandon. Shout out, my guy. I go there more often than I should. Extra red sauce, please. Yeah, fire roasted red pepper sauce. Um, I mean, you're. I don't know under what circumstance I would tip for just taking the order because now everything's automated. You get that screen that says, here's what 10% would be, 15, 20. It just goes to the kitchen, doesn't it? I don't know. It's, man, it's one of those things because I'm always petrified that if I don't tip doing takeout, um, one, I'm being ungrateful, but two... Because there's things that go into boxing the food and, you know, if the bartender's nice about it and the people at, front, at the front are pleasant, I know how hard the folks are working in the kitchen. 
if I see a lot of moving parts, yeah, I've been known to throw a few bucks. Yeah, well, I've, I've unfortunately kind of done a flat $2 tip on almost every pickup. And maybe that is the way to go. It's definitely not a 20% thing. You'd be insane. Are there any yeah. people out there tipping 20% on a, on a pickup order? Very few. But if you're- They exist. Well, probably, like really good people. Yeah. If you just have yeah. the automated screen, everyone knows what we're talking about. Right, right, right. I'm hitting no tip like every time. Yeah, yeah. If I have I'm not to- tipping, I'm not tipping the robots. Yeah, I went to the effort of leaving the home mm-hmm. to go out- And procure and, it. Yes, like our ancestors did. Yeah, just like the hunter-gatherers. Right. We're not that different, you know. Right, but if you're making me sign a chit- Yeah. Um, it's hard to strike through the tip and then write the cost of the yeah, order. Un- understood. Because even if no one's expecting it, they're going to look at it and think, hmm, because they got to plug that back in. What is the difference between, you know, an uncontacted tribe hunting down a woolly mammoth and me going to Red Robin to get a, a burger that I called in? There's not a lot Nothing. of difference. So I think you, you bring up a good point yeah. there. Um, yeah, I, so, so the, the, verdict is, uh, the verdict is no, no tipping, no shame uh, on a pickup order. Right. Takeout order. Correct. Delivery is different. Dining in very different. But if you do decide to leave a tip, that's perfectly acceptable and you're not weird or a sucker. If you're needing to amass some sort of good karma, that's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Uh, quick music shout out here. Um, old and in the way. That's some heady stuff there. Some bluegrass. Uh, 1973 recording of the album Breakdown. It's like a a live deal. It's the Jerry Garcia and all his heady friends doing bluegrass. I actually prefer it (gasps) to non-live Grateful Dead stuff. Oh, heaven. I also want to shout out uh, the pizza tapes. That's something I just came across. I meant to say heavens back there when I said heaven. Yeah, well, it happens. You know, like you're... When you're doing this stuff, sometimes you, you drop a, a syllable or a letter. Yeah. Um, pizza tapes, Garcia, uh, Grisman, Rice, 1993. They get together at, uh, I guess, Grisman's house. And what do they just record a, an album? I don't know if they're going to do anything with it. They're just fucking around, playing music. It's all acoustic. And a, a pizza delivery guy steals the, the you know, Garcia's recording. And uh, next thing you know, is all allegedly, but this is factual, it shows up uh, in New York City on the radio and people are freaking out. They're like, man, what a, what a great project they just released on purpose. And the guys were pissed off because of licensing and all that stuff. Uh, but eventually in 2000, uh, they released it. So check out uh, Olden in the Way. Unless you're an old hippie, you probably don't listen to that stuff um, or a big bluegrass fan. This is all newer deep dive stuff for me. I'm enjoying it very much. Pizza tapes also. Um, so let's get to Eli. What about my music? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it another Backstreet Boys song? Well, I opened up my music application. Yeah, yeah. And I did not download a song this week. So the last one in the queue is still larger than life by the Backstreet Boys. So we, Boys. Just, we can just power through that. Yep. Okay. Uh, been an inactive week for you on the music front. So 
Eli's retirement, that's the big news uh, reported earlier this week that he was going to do a press conference today. He did. Did you watch the press conference? I've seen some clips. He Which, went with now, I guess, the standard issue in the uh, Meadowlands with the Navy suit, white shirt, black boy, oh tie. Boy. Yeah. They just, they just have him on a rack there they do. in MetLife. <laughs> I really think they do. Yeah. Coming and going, you know. It might have been Joe Judge's suit. Could have been. They Dif- just swapped it out. Different body type. but And different tie, but very yeah. close. So, um, obviously, a, a long, productive career for Eli. The debate that's raging is, is he a Hall of Famer or is he not? I'll just get it out of the way. I think he is. You? I, I do. And, and you're I a Giants also, fan, too, though. I am. I do think he is, and I also don't really care. No offense to any Hall of Famers that listen, I know. My dad is going to hunt you down. Yeah. No, I don't know that he, he does listen. No, nah, he so does. I think you're okay. He does? Yeah. We, we spoke about it. Oh, you did. Uh, fuck. Hey, what's up, Dad? Um, so I think he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, you know, 16 years, um, he's 500 at the end of all of it. And he, 250 million is the operative Big number. figure uh, here. And, you know, at the end of the day, he beat Tom Brady uh, in two Super Bowls. I think when they're digging up our bones in thousands of years and finding our old Sports Illustrateds that are mummified, they're going to be like, who the fuck was this guy that beat Tom Brady twice? Tom Brady was this mythical figure. Who was this funny-looking guy? Oh, he went 500. Can't be. But yeah, he stepped up in big moments. Uh, he's one of two Super Bowl uh, MVPs that won it twice. Uh, there's, of course, a rumor about uh, the first MVP that he won against the Pats. And you know, the fact of the matter is they scored, what, 17 points? Seventeen, fourteen. Yep. Yeah. So it's as fourteen-point dogs. As fourteen-point dogs, uh, there was a rumor that they they didn't want to give the trucks to the entire D line, so they were like, "Yeah, we just gotta this Cadillac has got to go to Eli, and that's where it stops." Uh, the D line was the dominant force in that game, but he made throws when he had to. Interestingly, he was my first NFL sack. Mm. Yeah, my first uh, NFL sack. I beat McKenzie. I think it was on an inside move. And then he was nearly my last. He, I sacked him the day before. Uh, well, yeah, the next morning we went to the hospital and Luke, my youngest son, came along. And uh, he was my second to last quarterback that I sacked in the regular season of my career and my first one. So he made a really great noise when you sacked him. Give it to us. <sighs> and what are some other noises that quarterbacks make? Ah, oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> and Ow! He, and Eli's again. <laughs> it's just like a a human whoopee cushion, you yeah. know, like landing on a big, a big, rich, high thread count duvet covered couch cushion pillow, you know, uh, like w- like when one of my when my kid lands on a stuffed animal, it's just like. Pfft, it, it looks luxurious. It was luxurious to sack Eli Manning, but I always respected him. Um, he wasn't the most mobile, so it was nice when you got there. You got there. Um, he was seventh in yards, completions, and passing touchdowns. Uh, similar numbers to Marino. That's been a big thing that people talk about this week. Seventh ever. Seventh ever. People. Yeah. Eight and four in playoff games career with five wins on the road. And this is where 
It's remarkable. Uh, tenth in game-winning drives. And, of course, part of this is a large sample size, but you don't get to play quarterback in the NFL for 16 years. And, by the way, didn't miss a single game due to injury. Not, Two ten straight. Nice to not be... Not nice to not be fast because you know you take the whole soft tissue thing off the counter with Eli, but he uh was tough, even though he made those funny faces when you sacked him, uh, and he tended to go down easy. He was tough and he always got back up. He uh he beat the 18 and 0 Pats, and you know, a lot of times when somebody does something that iconic, like a UMBC, and I hate to bring it up, but we, we can laugh now, um, or a number of other big upsets, um. Can you think of any iconic big upsets? Miracle on Ice. App State over Michigan. App State over Michigan. Um, these things are lightning uh, in a bottle type occurrences. And I think what separates him from being fluky was that second Super Bowl. I mean, that was the thing that to me solidified him being a Hall of Famer. Uh, and that's not normal for for that anomaly to happen twice, which makes it not an anomaly before you correct me. But um, And he wasn't managing managing either of those ball games. No. He was the MVP that throw to Manningham in the second yep. Super Bowl. Uh, it's one of the best throws you'll ever see in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Th- 38-yard rope on the sideline. It was a great toe tap by Manningham, but you have to realize the ball came from somewhere, and it was a beautiful throw. Uh, he didn't light the scoreboard up in either of those games, but as, as we mentioned, that first game, they're 14-point dogs. They come away with the win. Um, you know, exactly 500 again over 16 years, 117 and 117. And that was an interesting thing to watch towards the end to see how they'd manage him, you know, because I knew that number was important uh, and settled right on it. Uh, The only thing he ever led in a single season at was interceptions. And that's, that's kind of, you know, career interception percentage higher than Blake Bortles. That's what some people remember him for, but he also didn't have a ton of weapons around him. You know, he had... Plaxico, he had Amani Toomer, you know, he had Odell late, um, certainly not in his prime, and he got Saquon and Odell together for a blip on the radar. And Tiki for a blip. And, and Tiki for a blip, and they weren't winning when they were all together. The only thing, he got fucked by McAdoo on the consecutive SARS thing. Yeah. That was the one thing that to me was totally curious. Um, But I think ultimately... And we'll get to why I think he's he's a Hall of Famer, but he fought an uphill battle, I think, his whole career because of his dad, because of his brother. Um, he fought an uphill battle because he refused to play with the Chargers. I think that soured people and played into that narrative um, right off the bat. But Elway did this with the Colts, and people don't remember that as well because it was, it was a baseball ultimatum. Like, I'll go play baseball. He was hated for his demeanor, you know, but ironically, his demeanor... Is the is the one thing that I think allowed him to thrive and survive in New York, you know, playing in New York City. You talk about Messier, Jeter, Manning. Obviously, different levels of players, but same stature in the city um, as far as bringing relative success to their respective teams. Um, and you had to, I think, be that kind of white bread bland personality to get by in that city and not let I don't know how Tom would have done Brady in New York I don't know how his brother Peyton would have done they're two totally different people psychologically and from a standpoint of their personalities and as a Giants fan and maybe for others who aren't he was profoundly likable because of this personality yeah and for those who don't like him he was an easy punching target and yet he's not gonna punch back right 
and, he doesn't and, care. Yeah, yeah. And it, it seemed like the sort of guy who really had blinders on, went out, played football, had a private life. And loved by teammates. I mean, that's truly, I texted a number of guys he played with today, asked him, is he a Hall of Famer, you know? And it was a resounding yes. And if you look at their Instagram post, it's funny, nowadays you can tell a lot by a player about what his teammates say about him. Uh, you want to know what type of guy they really are. Teammates are going to necessarily trash you, but it's, it's, you know, a lot of times if it's bad, it's what they don't say. These guys are going out of their way to praise the hell out of him, knowing that there is, I think, this narrative where he's an eh kind of guy or an eh kind of quarterback, and I think his teammates have done a good job of, of, of building him up in this moment for him. Uh, you know, and another thing was he was one of the luckiest quarterbacks. You know, you had the Tyree catch. He, he, uh, hey, he worked hard to get out of that he, massive he humanity he, to get the ball in the air. He now. did, and listen... You know, if he was more mobile, I think people might say, look at that, you know, look at that escapability. Wow, is Deshaun Watson like, you know, he threw up a prayer and Tyree came down with it. But it wasn't just that. It was the Hail Mary in 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, the next game, I think it was Kyle, uh, what's Kyle Williams, not the D-tackle Niners. Kyle Williams, the, the 49ers, two late fumbles against San Francisco. Um, and then capped that with obviously the perfect throw to Manningham. So... That was kind of his moment where you're like the kid getting made fun of and and you know getting bullied and then you punch the bully in the face and everybody kind of shuts up. That was his moment. That was that throw was like uh, everybody just stopped talking for a second. Now we still like to have fun with Eli, but he's a two-time Super Bowl champion. You know, Jim Plunkett was a guy that gets brought up as somebody who's deserving to be in, and I think Eli's got a, a similar kind resume. Of, kind of resume. So. Again, uh, quarterback is a position I think you can get rewarded for uh, your postseason work, even if you're relatively average in the regular season. It's not like uh, it's not like you know people keep asking about Edelman is he a Hall of Famer or that whole thing. It's harder to weight a wide receiver's success in postseason uh, than it is and justify a, a, a nod when you've never you know, been in the top whatever in anything, or you've never had the accolades, which of course are, are voted on by fans as well. But, um, you know, Eli, you know, he's only got one more Pro Bowl than, than Andy Dalton to that point. Take the Pro Bowl thing for what it's worth. Nothing. But, nothing. But, you, but what you do uh, is you go out and you make those two big throws. And that's what, we, that's what we care about. Like, we don't put people in the Hall of Fame just for their regular season stuff, unless they're just exponentially better than everybody else plays alter legacies you think uh you think things are a little bit different i, I thought of a couple plays a lot an edelman catch against the falcons forget shanahan not running the ball edelman doesn't catch that ball you know is shanahan now is he still in atlanta is is he is he um is he gunning for a second super bowl on his second team what's different a malcolm butler interception against seahawks um What's the difference in Russell's legacy that way? You know, you're looking at him totally differently. It's a play that has nothing to do with him. Um, you know, you got no PI against uh, the last year in the in the NFC Championship. You know, you've got the Minnesota Miracle. How does this affect Drew Brees? Like, you don't know if he plays one more game. Does he have one more ring? Like, we're, we throw these things around like they're absolutes, um, but these plays matter. Good research, good prep. 
No, my, I just think it's a it's a pointless conversation. The plays happen the way they happen. Exactly, and that and my point is that like if you're gonna say well it's just two plays, that's part of it. I mean it's part of it, or else we're gonna start going back and do revision doing revisionist history on all these plays. I mean Mike Jones on the goal line, Jeff Fisher. You know it's it has nothing to do with what Jeff Fisher did or didn't do as a coach. Like this is football. Yep, things just happen or they don't, and it happened at the right time for Eli. And we talked about that playoff record, the road wins. Um, Scott Norwood, <laughs> Jim Kelly. Yes. They're just pl- like, it's, I get it. But it's, it's, so if you're defensive, Eli, and I'm not going to, I could sit here and talk about, hey, he's got the same stats as Marino. Hey, he's got all these, these great stats that have a lot to do with longevity as well, which is relevant. But the stats aren't going to get him in. It, we, we, it's the Hall of Fame. Joe Namath is in there. Joe Namath is in there not for his stats. He was not a remarkable quarterback on any statistical scale. He did a big thing for the AFL and won the big game and was Broadway Joe. Well, Eli thrived in the big moments in the biggest city, and that's what puts him in the Hall of Fame for me. Um, And there are a lot of very imperfect quarterbacks in the Hall. But my biggest takeaway for as a sociological study with Eli is like, it's funny to me that we're all so imperfect as sports fans and people, and He's probably the most like everybody else. His career is the most relatable to you and I's day-to-day or people listening to this pod. Uh, you would think he'd be more relatable, but people hated him. You know, like, even his successes were shrouded in, like, just a shit show. It was, like, made mistakes, screwed up, had really low lows, had really high highs. That's like everybody. And you would think it would make him more likable, but it drove people away in a lot of instances. Yeah, I would argue his lows weren't particularly low and that the Giants were always, there were very few years where you were thinking about the draft in week one. You had Eli at quarterback. If the right pieces are around and they perform, you're going to have a chance with 10 at quarterback. Now, I think they know you're good when you can just call him by his jersey number. Yeah, 10. Well, 10. And by the way, they're retiring that. Is it the number or the, the jersey? I, I don't know. Another thing I, I, I care a little about. You need to retire the jersey and let people wear what numbers they want to yeah, wear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I might want to wear 10. Right. You know, I might be a kid that wants to wear 10. I might be the next Freddie Bolitnikoff. There might be a young man right now who would like to come to Virginia and wear 50. I think uh, that person should be aware to, love, to wear 50. I agree with you. Uh, shout out to Ralph, though. Um, so I, I think at the end of the day, it's funny to me that people were so an, anti-Eli when he really gave us no re- real reason to hate him other than just not giving us much of a reason to... He, he came up in the, in the meme... The meme, meme portal. Meme portal. He was in the meme portal before portal. there was a meme portal. Hey, I got um, one for you. Yeah. Elijah Nelson Manning IV was born January the 3rd, 1981 in New Orleans, Louisiana. He's the fourth, but Pops is Archie. Yeah. What? So, can you just pick somebody from the lineage? Yeah. Who's a third? There was an Elijah Nelson Manning the third, maybe like a an uncle. I never thought about that. And they just make him a fourth. I never thought about that because Archie. Where's Archie? Is his real name Archie? Archie is Elijah Archibald Manning there you the go. third. Different. Different. Middle, they're not, you gotta have the same name, I thought, to add the uh, Roman numeral. I think numeral. you just need to have the first and the last name, don't you? Okay. 
Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess that's funny that uh, there there were two Eli Mannings all along. Yeah, and it wasn't just the good Eli and the bad Eli. It was, and like Howie Long and yeah. his third son is Howie. Eli was not the yeah, oldest. No, no. Wild. I, it's it's there's all types of rules here that we're breaking. Um, so yeah, congrats to Eli on a great career. Seemed like a great guy. Uh, I've never really heard anybody say a bad thing about him as a teammate. And again, go check out Justin Tuck, Strahan, a bunch of those defensive players that you would think would want more credit for those runs and had nothing but good things to say about him. Super Bowl stuff, man. This is uh, this is the, the meat and potatoes here. We got about... Meat and potatoes. Yeah, 35 minutes left. Yeah. Let's do it. So we're going to do, uh, do uniforms. We're going to rank the uniforms from all the Super Bowls. Uh, well, we're going to give our top fives, respectively, uh, if you did your homework. I don't know. Um, we're also going to rank the uh, Super Bowl rings. There was a really interesting article that came out this week. And what? What was uh, ESPN? Yep. Uh, ESPN.com did a cool Super Bowl rings and uh, commentary stories piece. Um, and looking at these rings, they're all beautiful. Well, most of them in their own way. It was way easier to find five Super Bowl rings I liked uh, than five uni combos. Wrong. Really? Bad take. Wow. And then logos. We'll talk about the logos as well. We'll rank Super Bowl logos. We'll do a couple prop bets. And then a a lightning finish where we're going to draft the offensive players on the 49ers and the Chiefs. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, So let's start with with the unis, man. Do you want to get the uh, first stab at it here? Sure. Thanks to... uh... Reed for helping me. Yeah, Reed picks this this thing up. Stitch these things together. So I had to go to six. Oh, wow. Well, maybe I had to do the same thing. Okay. And throwing up my first set of three on YouTube.com. Now, there's a common denominator here, and that is... The Raiders. The Raiders franchise. You got Big H there, bottom right. Yeah, look at him. Jason Theismann. So up here, I have Super Bowls 2, 11, and 18, respectively. Yeah. Now the deal is if you have that silver white silver combo or that silver black silver combo, anything else looks fine. That first one so old, Super Bowl 2 it had to be colorized after the fact. They're playing the Vikings there. Solid. Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. They're playing the Packers there in uh actually that's Super Bowl 2, Raiders Packers. Off to a great start. Oh, there's Freddie B, yeah. Raiders Vikings was Super Bowl 11. That's Freddie B. Uh, and then we have Super Bowl 18 in uh, 84 Raiders yep. skins with yep. or Raiders Wash, Washington team yeah. with uh, 75 there. I just think if you have that steady palette yeah. there, it's it's hard to go wrong. And the Packers and the Washington team are symmetrical with their helmet matching their pant, which oh, yeah, is important like to me. That's one of your weirdo things. You have any issues with that? No, I don't. I mean, uh, I would say the uh, Super Bowl, what is that, 18, is not one of my favorites. That's my pops. Yeah. Um, that's not one of my favorites of the Raiders. The biggest, I, I do like uh, Super Bowl whatever the hell it was with the Vikings. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. Anytime, like you said, the Raiders are on the field, there's an opportunity if the other team doesn't screw it up to unlock a beautiful marriage. Now, some a near miss here to okay. me was the Super Bowl, uh, more recently the Brad Johnson Super Bowl, uh, mm. the Bucks. Big near miss. If they had gone creamsicle. Well, yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh, that would be elite. Elite. It might be the best Super Bowl of all time. But they went like pewter maroon. Pewter, pewter is one of the worst... 
colors that the eye can comprehend. Pewter is the color that everybody's pickup truck was in like 1998. Like just this disgusting, muted, I like what, what the fuck is that color? Pewter. It's awful. Do you do it? Am I being harsh on pewter? I think pewter's okay again in moderation. Yeah. Pewter, I can't do pewter on a helmet and a pant. That would be too much. Pewter can be an accent. What about pewter on a car? Google image. Don't they? Search pewter. They, they usually car call it they call it something else. And eh, I don't know. Looks silver to me. Looks like there. every rental car. Um, Along the lines of what I just gave you there with Raiders, yeah. I have another set of three, and it involves the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Because when they go silver, white, silver, yeah. that's what we're calling it. Mm-hmm. Again, the other team has free reign to get colorful with it. I've included the Bills, the Broncos, and the Steelers. That would be Super Bowls 10, 12, and 27. Mm-hmm. Those are outstanding to me. And, and one of those, top right there, if you're watching on YouTube, is indoor i know you have a problem with indoor games in general I do. indoor super bowls that would have been killer outside agreed but look at the others steelers cowboys iconic very iconic and that bills run you have cornelius bennett bruce smith there uh i remember those that's the first of my super bowl <laughs> memories I'd say, yeah that was that was about that was about when i started picking up on it too so what was number one for you there then Oh, I'm ranking them really. Oh yeah, one? yeah. That's that. That's part of the exercise. You know, the the operative word was to rank, not pick five or six. Mm-hmm. My number one pick is going to be. I'll go with shocking. Mine. I'll go. This with, is gonna oh, okay. it's gonna be Cowboys Bills Super Bowl twenty seven. I, I can't hate on that. Thank you. That was the Bills Unis uh, don't get enough love. Yeah, in that era. Very takes but, us back. But, uh, s- symmetry? No, no, no symmetry. It's one of the rare ones which I can do. Yeah, red, blue, white. No symmetry. Um, so shocker there. Uh, two and three. I won't make you go. Okay, uh, two and three. Two. I'll go Cowboys Steelers. It's just it's too good. Three. Which 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 Super Bowl was that? Thirteen. I'm going ten. Cowboys Steelers. Was that ten? Um, well, there were multiple. Yeah. And uh, I'll round it out with. Raiders, Packers, Super Bowl two. Wow. Not a bad list. I thought we'd have more disagreements. Uh, here go mine. So as you're looking at this, this is my five and my four. Uh, Super Bowl four is my five. That's the Chiefs, Vikings, Chiefs in the red tops with the 10-year AFL patch, the anniversary patch, and then the, the oversized uh, arrowhead. I just, uh, I, I love their unis, always have. They looked even better back in the day in those grainy pictures. And this was a muddy day. Um, Minnesota could show up in, in the all-whites on multiple occasions on my list, but I, I wanted to keep it fresh. So I didn't put them twice. Um, so yeah, that, that, was, that was a nice one. That was the, uh, the cigarette day. Mm. Um, so Super Bowl thirteen is my four. Uh, these are, again, flagship unis. They looked especially good when the sun went down. Cowboys, Steelers. Um, when the sun went down in Miami, I believe it was. We're looking See at palm, palm trees. trees. Couldn't be anywhere else. Uh, Jacksonville didn't have a stadium yet. Tampa. Uh, I'm not sure if Tampa had a stadium back then. But 
beautiful, iconic. Uh, not a Cowboys fan, obviously, uh, bleeding green here, but got to give respect to the iconic unis. Number three for me, and uh, this is three through uh, through one. So Super Bowl one is my third pick, and that is uh, the Jets and the Colts. Uh, wait, no, that's not Super Bowl one. That's three. Super Bowl three. Right. So Super Bowl three is my third pick. I love those Jets all whites. And something about those, if you look at this picture, you're watching on YouTube.com, their green used to be like electric green, mm-hmm. like Green Lantern green. I looked at this one long and hard. Yeah, well, I mean. I like the pick. Binders, keepers, losers, weepers. I, I just like the monochrome icy whites. Icy. And I got symmetry with the Colts. Cocaine, cocaine white down in, uh, you know, old, uh, my, I, not that anybody was, 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 uh, was grinding their teeth down there during the game, but, um, I don't understand the reference. I think that's when people do the, mm. yeah. Um, can you imagine though, just in general, what Joe Namath did in that city that week? No, no social media. No 24-hour news cycle. Joe Namath in Miami. Broadway Joe getting ready for a Super Bowl. Getting ready to go win a Super Bowl. So um, that's my third favorite. My second favorite would be um, Super Bowl One, And that was Chiefs in the all-whites again. Chiefs showing up and uh, the Packers in the green tops. I just Yellow need, pants. I need to talk to you about something. Yeah, talk to me about it. I struggle even in the college game with the helmet. Yeah. That has a color to it. Yeah. And the white white. Oh, you do? Can you can you help? No, I can't help. That's something that just never bothered me. Okay. You've got a lot of uh idiosyncrasies with your uh uniform palette that Yeah. Uh my number one now, this is a shocker. This is gonna shock some people. Are you surprised? Yeah. You, you're looking at it. Okay, this is uh, last year's Super Bowl. I thought it was I thought it was uh dragged down by now these are two uniforms I wore. Um Patriots white top, blue bottoms, um, and the the cool white socks with the the blue rings, which was always a great excuse with without getting fined to wear high white socks, look faster. If you can spat that up with white cleats, um silver helmet, I know again, symmetry your thing. Big fan of that, and then the the the, the Rams throwbacks there, uh, which hopefully will become mainstays for them in the near future. If that game was played outdoor, and that picture uh, outdoors, and that that picture was was you know Gilmore catching that pick um, on the sideline at the Orange Bowl per se, uh, or the Coliseum in back in the '60s, it would be a thing of beauty. Um, so that's my number one honorable mention. Actually, I'm going to replace. My number five. That's Super Bowl seven for anybody who remembers it. Dolphins all white uh, versus the Redskins or the Washington team at the Coliseum. Again, I've said this before. These are the Larry Zonkas, the uh, the Miami Dolphin uh, Larry Zonkas. And I've said it before. If you play a game at the uh, at the Coliseum with that flame lit, it's like an accelerator for great uniforms. It's like a multiplier. Um, and the pictures that that golden hour. It's it's awesome. Shout out to Super Bowl twenty Bears uh, in the white the the white tops and the Pats in the red. Again, yeah, uh, Bills Giants. I shouted that one out. That's an honorable mention for me. Chargers Niners. Where were you on that? 
Yeah, I in conducting this exercise, I realized that I'm really not a big fan of the color red. Yeah. That, that being said, um, yeah, maybe just the Chargers made it. I just I remember that Super Bowl as a kid, and uh, it's it's a pleasing head picture yeah. for me. Yeah. I think I was at William Taylor's house. Oh. Yeah, shout out to William Taylor. What's up? Yeah. WRT. Uh, yeah, I was at William Taylor's house. The game was so boring, I, we turned it off to go play uh, Sega Genesis. I need uh, to talk to you about Pat's aways quickly. I cannot stand um, my side here, my yeah. side panel of blue. Yeah. I hate the Pat's unis, and they're so close. Yeah. What can be done to fix them? The alternates that they wear that are navy and just have like the big orange or mm-hmm. red uh, shoulder. Yeah, yeah, you like those. Perfect. Yeah. Do that. I, I, There's I, too I, much I, piping going on. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much piping. Too many stripes that don't match stripes yeah, elsewhere yeah. and too much piping. Okay. All right. That's fair. I mean, uh, tomato, tomato. Sure. Whatever. I don't know if that's the applicable phrase. I think it was more like to each his own, but uh, bad Super Bowls. And by the way, I shout out Rams, Titans, Faith Hill at halftime, snow day, got to sneak out of the house that night. My folks were away at the Super Bowl, snuck out of the house, smoked some cigars. Mm. Um, yeah, that was a beautiful, um, beautiful color combo, electric. It's easy to stay awake watching that game as a kid. Um, bad for me was Rams, Pats, um, and the irony of this Super Bowl 36 is that they were my favorite uh, with the different the different uh, unis last year. Least favorite maybe Super Bowl 36, Super Bowl 40, Detroit, and the and the uh, the the Hawks Steelers. Just everything about that was just very drab. The yellow did not did not work with the uh, Matt Hasselbecks. Agreed. If you want to go through bad, we'll we'll be here no, until no, no, no. Sunday. Uh, well, let's do rings now. So I have um, at five, and I know like people, you know, I bleed green and all that. But the Cowboys are an iconic franchise. This was their first Super Bowl. It's kind of uh, it's it's a little. Did you used to play Kirby the video game? No. It's got a little Kirby vibe going. Uh, it's like a blue star with a. I don't know if that's a cushion cut diamond in the middle since I was ring shopping. It's been some time, but very simple ring, not as uh, gaudy as some of the later cowboy models, but their first one that that's five for me. Four is going to be the Raiders, uh, the Blitnikoff Super Bowl, Super Bowl 11. That was a big victory for the AFL. Um, and you know, it's simple. Again, I was kind of drawn to some of these simple rings. It's uh it's a football shaped diamond set with a black background. It's very, what do we see, 1975, 1977? Yeah, 77. 77. Uh, so a badass-looking ring for a badass organization and a historic uh, victory for that team. Now, this is my only like relatively modern era pick at three. It's the Packers, Super Bowl 31, the New Orleans game. You know, Brett Favre, bowl cut. You know, we... Um, we talked about that. We're going to talk about that with the uh, the logos too. Yeah, I think um, Super Bowl thirty one, very gaudy relative to the other ones I picked here. But it's a G, bunch of diamonds. It's not one of those oversized rings though. It's still uh, it's got some bling without being over the top. 
And then at uh, at two, I like the uh, the Washington football team's uh, feathers on uh, Super Bowl twenty six. Um, the red pops too. So Jets at number one, uh, Super Bowl three. Certainly not the most expensive ring. Got a heavy Jostens vibe to it. Uh, probably not worth a ton of money at face value back in the day. Uh, but really cool. I don't know, what would you call that in the middle of square, a diamond? Well, if I'm looking dead on here, that's a square. If I turn my head just a little bit like this, pow, diamond. Diamond. Cool little football shape with like a diamond inset in the middle uh, and and some some cool gang uh, green in the background. Yeah, that might be somehow the most colorful of all the Super Bowl rings. Yeah, uh, Chiefs had one with a similar like you know crimson kind of presence there. It wasn't it wasn't like a bright red, but I like the older rings. So yeah, uh, that was my five. My turn. I had representatives from Super Bowls 24, 28, and 43. Here you go. Um, my three would be that Dallas Cowboys, bottom left. Symmetry, once again, here's where I have trouble. When you put world champions on a ring, yeah, which is what almost all of these have, there are five letters in the word world. Yeah. And in the word champions, there are... There's many. Nine. There's many. And when you put world on one side and champions on the other, it's, it's, it's out of balance. It's bothersome. And it bothers my eyes. So when the Dallas Cowboys, which just one letter difference in those two words, yep. uh, on either side, I like the symmetry. They had four Super Bowls at that point, all represented with big old diamonds there. Yeah. Um, I think that that, uh, gosh, I'm changing my two to one here. I'll go Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. When they won their sixth to go to six, six, Sixburg, Sixburg, Pennsylvania. Yep, yep, yep. They got Pittsburgh Steelers there in the left, world champions on the right. Very balanced, symmetrical, some color pop there with the Steelers logo. Yeah, that's nice. And then top 49ers, when they have four rings in the 80s, they go funky font there with 49ers. Um, all four 80s years are represented. I might. I might, hmm, I might amend that just because uh, very few dudes on that team would have been a part of all those years, and that's a little odd to have yeah, other years. A little bit odd on there, so maybe I'd stick with that Pittsburgh ring at one. But I just like those; uh, they are gaudy, but it's a Super Bowl ring. Um, Symmetry is the key. And 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 listen, I have two gaudy rings, like, yep. and I didn't include them in my rankings, of course, because that would be unfair. I would have to just put them one and two, whatever order they would be. I might what, uh, have, what order would they it be? might actually be Patriots first, hmm. even though I don't like the look of it. It's so I don't know what the word would be ob- oblong. Is it oblong? What is it? In ob- which case, what does it oblong, would be oblong look like? Um, like a football. It's just is it's oblong? a funny shape. Okay, it's a funny shape. It's like to fit all the diamonds in there. They had to make it so big, so big. Um, the Eagles one's a little bit more manageable in size, but the thing I like about, oh gosh, it's hard to rank the two, and this is why I didn't do it. The Patriots, we had uh, 283 diamonds in there for 28 to three, which I thought was an interesting touch, and I liked it. Uh, and the touch I really liked on the Eagles side was they had the underdog uh, emblem in there on the inside of the ring, which was German cool. Shepherd. 
Yeah, a little German Shepherd. So uh, I love those. I love the gaudy when it's done right, but it's rarely ever done right. And that's why for me, the Green Bay was such an outlier. Uh, but again, that was the 90s. Things have changed. Where do we go from here? Uh, let's do logos real quick. First off, they become corporate. We talk about this a lot. Said Landor or Lander, the agency that worked with the NFL to create the system, quote unquote. A sports event of this stature needs a <laughs> consistent a sports event. Iconic like Rob Lowe identity in his NFL hat. A symbol that fans could immediately recognize, much like the Olympic rings. Just like it. The logos stink now. It's just a big Lombardi trophy with Roman yep. numerals around it. They used to be fire. This is well a well-worn path we're going down yep. here. Bring back the cool stuff. What I didn't realize is when they started with these stank logos was the first time the shield speaking of Rob Lowe ever appeared on the Super Bowl logo and it appears on the Lombardi trophy oh wow I don't like that Yeah, I don't like anything about it I think we gotta go back uh, you're trying to brand it like the Olympics I read the same thing um, you know back in the day you had you know Super Bowl 33 was in Miami I was reading about this and the guy who designed it was like well, you know, it was cool. I they 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 gave me an objective, and I got some creative uh, leeway to f- fit the the logo to the city. And Miami in '33 was an example. Super Bowl '36 was right after 9/11. Although I'm, the logo isn't you know great, it didn't crack my top five. There was some American flag stuff going on in the logo, so you had the liberty to no pun intended do what you'd like to do with that with that logo. And uh, now I think the big shift is. You're not just putting it on paper. There's a big licensing component, and how do you reproduce it in um, in print is one thing. But how do you, you know, what would sell on a sweatshirt? Honestly, I take a hundred Super Bowl Thirty logo hats, sweatshirts over any of this bullshit they have now. Um, and that's a little preview into my list. Um, I have at number five Super Bowl Thirty One. That was a New Orleans uh, logo. That's the Reggie White, These are Brett all Favre running down the field. Great picks, Chris. With the bowl cut. Um, yeah, Super Bowl 31 is my five. At four, I have Super Bowl three. That's very Tecmo Bowl looking, but it's very fitting of a Super Bowl that occurred uh, circa 1970. And then uh, at, uh, at, at, at three, I have 21, which is obviously, as you can see on the logo, played at the Rose Bowl. It's one rose with uh, Super Bowl in a very retro font and a nice clean Roman numeral XXI bottom right. Simple, beautiful. These are beautiful logos. Now for my two and one. Mm. My t- <laughs> mm. my number two, you sound like Eli Manning when you said it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, all right. My Super Bowl uh, logo number two is Super Bowl 30. I just thought it was very cool. It was obviously played in Arizona. Um, you got the Arizona vibe going. I, I never, I think the movie Triple X cheapens this entire experience for me with Vin Diesel. But you went with XXX. Yep, XXX. Uh, how would you describe that? I think the color scheme is really nice. Yeah, you said it was in Arizona. Yep, it's very, it looks like Arizona in a logo. Agreed. Um, Anyways, number one for me is... Symmetrical as heck. As 
AF. As all ASF. Uh, and, and number one for me is Super Bowl 27. And that was another Rose Bowl one, so I'm cheating. We all love the Rose Bowl. I love the logo. Um, you got th- three roses here. Two of them haven't fully matured yet. Flanking the nice mature rose in the middle there. And bloom. And it's blooming. Yeah. And the color palette, again, is it's a little bit of green, red, and uh, blue. Beautiful. I'm going to show you how easy this is by showing you three simple logos that I loved. If the NFL wanted to mandate, hey, all we need is red and blue. Oh, yeah. Because that's what the logo looks like. This is how easy it is. My top is going to be your top. Super Bowl 27. Nice. Yep. It's, it's awesome. I think um, the Rose Bowl is a cheat code to put to throw a rose into the logo. Every Super Bowl should be played there. Luxury hmm. seating be damned. Yeah. Capacity stadium be damned. And then those two um, beautifully symmetrical Super Bowl logos from 22 and 26. That's how good I am at reading Roman numerals after this exercise. Yeah, you're good. Uh, they're, 26 wasn't on my radar, but that's pretty cool. Why is the football shooting up like a rocket? Why is the football shooting up? They shoot that one at the NASA headquarters in Cape Canaveral. Super Bowl 26, as most know, was played in a Minneapolis. What the fuck is that ball shooting up like that for? Well, you know, you needed to add a little uh, depth to that logo. Metrodome? Yep. Yep. Metrodome. The Uh, Washington team beat the Buffalo team. And then, yeah, you really, I looked at these for too long and went through a, a time where I, I started to not like them. Yeah. Um, but not as much as I don't like the, the corporate ugliness of what we have now. Uh, and then I, I came back around and they're all just wonderful. Good. Good. Because they are unique. Well, maybe one day it'll go back to that. Another idea I was thinking about while I'm thinking about all the Super Bowls is, um, I wonder if one day in the next 25 years, do you think we'll have an international Super Bowl? Hmm. 25 years. Yeah. I say yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's always been on their agenda. I think you, uh, you're you going to run out of new stadiums to build and promise an event, you know, because that's kind of the flow of this whole thing. The city says, uh, well, if we build a stadium, we get the event, and it's probably never worth it in the long run, but... I when you look at international, I, it, it's hard to think of a place where you might play it in the dead of winter. I mean, there's only almost all of England's out unless there's some spectacular indoor stadium. Um, maybe Australia, Rio. I'd be down for that. That'd yeah. be a fun trip. It's not like you're pricing out any people going. First thing that came to mind for me was London, just because we've already seen games there. Yep. But you're right, we might have to go indoor there, which yeah. isn't the worst thing in the world if the stadium's right, as evidenced in Minneapolis. That thing's a butte and has big windows. Big windows. Um, and also, one of the best Super Bowls of all time was played there. One of the best Final Fours of all time was also, also played there. Also, you're right. Um, so the, the, the ring stories uh, that I forgot to mention was, uh, and these are some of the, the, the stories from that article uh, on ESPN.com. So, the Jets, they uh, they won that Super Bowl three, and Joe Smith, the center, he lost his ring surfing in Hawaii for four decades. 
Four decades. Uh, lifeguard found it, stashed it, and when he died, the lifeguard in 2011, his niece found it and returned it to Joe Schmidt. Lifeguard, what you doing, bud? 40 years, bud. It's not like it was an ambiguous design there on the ring. I wonder if they had their names on those rings. I mean, even if the name wasn't on the ring, don't you wonder if it was maybe uh, somebody who was on that Super Bowl team? Well, yeah, you could narrow it down. <laughs> but, but at what Put point? Put out an APB and say, yeah. hey, I got your ring, bro. Whoever. Yeah, it's not like a really cool shell you find on the beach. No, it looks way it's different not, than a shell. not quite finder's keepers. Joe Green lost his two. He dropped it out of a car window and got run over by a car in front of him. It was misshapen and eventually fixed. You wonder, whoever ran it over has no idea they ran it over. Somebody's out there, um, and that person ran over Joe Green's ring and has no idea. That's pretty interesting to me. Drew Pearson, the guy who just got snubbed uh, from the Hall of Fame, lost his in Studio 54, which is um, another uh, nose candy hotspot. Uh, I'm not accusing anybody of being, I'm just, that's what I think about when I think about Studio 54, is a bunch of people hopped up on drugs, dancing to shitty music. And that's what, uh, that's what people were doing that night, and nobody kept the ring, the janitors found it, and returned it to Drew Pearson. If you lose a ring now, at a big nightclub, what are your chances of getting it back? One in 100. I think it's higher. I think it's like, 10 in 100, which would be 10%. <laughs> so you're saying maybe 1 in 10 there? Yeah, 1 in 10. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is another one. Jim Plunkett left his in a fanny pack. Very era appropriate. Overnight, uh, got his car broken into. The fanny pack was gone. He's like crushed. A year later, a construction crew finds the fanny pack in the bushes and somebody sold the money but didn't take the ring. Mm. Uh, and then, well, I'm not going to tell this story because it's much more serious. <laughs> okay, good idea. Yeah. Uh, so so that, was, uh, that was the Super Bowl rankings. Did you have any prop bets real quick before we draft this team? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I sure do, Chris. Who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first in his speech? These are out. Teammates at plus 150. God at plus 210. Family or family member at plus 550. A city at plus 800. A coach at plus 450. An owner at plus 1400. Golly. Or none of the above, plus 500. Your Super Bowl MVP, who do you think first? Well, I probably, I probably think the city. And, I, and those are good odds. Those are good odds. Yeah. That's the best value out of those prop bets. Although, if the Niners win... Are you thinking San Francisco when you're playing in Santa Clara and you're probably not living in either? Thank you, San Jose Tech Corridor. Thank you, Silicon Valley. Thank you, Silicon Valley. Also, hello to our friends uh, in the Bay Area. Right. Now, if Kansas City wins, yeah. that's going to be at the top of mind Thank for a lot you, of Thank you, Missouri. Guys. It's going to yeah. throw people off. Yeah. I think God is a good, uh, it's a good bet at plus 210, yeah? Yeah. Plus 800. If you want to be safe, go with God. I like what you said with City. Family, too. I mean... Nobody's going to think they're family first. That's, that's last, usually. Yeah, because, well, you're not going to... 
you're gonna fan you're gonna thank an individual would be like your wife or you know like your your kids you do that at some point because it's too there's too many family members to name right off the bat it could get awkward right yeah you gather your thoughts you thank the shit out of your city i, I like city at plus 18 or plus 800 will fox broadcast shout out joe and troy mention the point spread or total during the broadcast yes no. plus 170 no minus 250 no minus 250 will a fan run onto the field during the game yes plus 700 no minus 1600 i mean you you, you all you need to do to qualify as a fan is sit in the stands and then run back onto the field would you that be illegal for me to lay big money down and just run on the field probably tell somebody like me to lay big money and then i'll I'll get you afterwards. A cut. Yeah. Shout out to the FBI. Don't do anything to us. Will any player propose to his girlfriend on the field after the game? Yes, plus 500. No, minus 900. That's probably a no. I would think a no. Don't you? Because you have to... Listen, here's the thing. If you're going to do the proposal thing, it's it's contingent on you winning, yeah? You're not going to propose right, after a loss. So half. it's... Yep. Yeah. And it eliminates, one would think, the, uh, the married folk on yeah, the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, those are a few I liked. I made one up. Uh, okay. Over, are you taking the over or under on Jason Kelsey's uh, sweet shots? Uh, under, because Jason Kelsey probably won't be there. You don't think so? I'm guessing. You don't think so? Will he? Inside information, he's going to be in Miami. Huh. He's probably going to be in a suite, I bet. Brought the family down. What's your number? Two. I would need to count on a couple of Travis's touchdowns, I reckon. You need a Travis touchdown, maybe an MVP, um, which I think is very plausible. Uh, I think you said I'm, a good I'm, number there. I'll say, I'll say I have to see Jason If Kelsey. you take the over, I'm going to set the odds at plus 500. I think 2.5 is the right number. I think okay. it probably lands at 2. I'll, I'll, I'll go under. Okay. Gotcha. And what do you think the odds should be for under? I don't know. Not yeah. so good with odds. Andy Reid punting the ball graphic of some sort. Hmm. Or throwing the ball. It was the... It was the uh, oh, the yeah. punt, pass, and yeah. kick? punt, pass, and kick. Did he do it? Where did he do it? In L.A. back in the day when he was a little kid. It was in L.A. But he was a big little kid. Yeah, no, I know the clip. Um, Plus three fifty is what I'm setting it uh, the odds at there. I'll say uh, I'm taking that bet. I'll say we don't get it. I'm saying we get it because last week he threw the penalty flag and that kind of went viral. They were doing mm. side by side, so plus three fifty I think is uh, is realistic. Okay, time to draft the players and get out of here. Offense, okay. offensive players here. Very strategic by you to wait until the end of the pod when I'm. Mentally exhausted. I'm fatigued. Yeah. Um, we're going to draft. The draft pool is the players playing in this football game. Yes. And um, we had a coin toss of sorts yesterday. I wrote a number on the whiteboard here in the office. Right. You were to say whether it was even or odd. You said even. The number was 1,431, which is odd, which puts me on the clock. Yeah, it does. Um, will you say something for like three seconds? Say anything you like. Super Bowl is coming up, and we're going to draft the players on offense. And you guys might be interested, and you might not. 
Do you get it? I, I get it. I'm, uh, I'm on the clock. He's on his laptop and he's got the on the clock sound. So with the first pick, yeah, in the uh, Super Bowl player offensive player draft. Oh my god, going smoothly. <laughs> Team Macon will select Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, Kansas City, and that would put. Uh, <laughs> Team Chris on the clock. Uh, and it's a snake draft, by the way. Yep. Chris has second and third picks. Yeah, and I'll take both the stud tight ends. I'll take Kelsey wow. and Kittle. And, you know, judging by the fact that wow. you took Pat Mahomes, I'm going to have to take Jimmy G or Bethard with the last pick in the draft because you can't draft two quarterbacks. Right. We agreed on that. Limit one QB. You can't cock block the other guy by, you know, drafting Jimmy G four. Uh, lead, well, I still would snag Bethard and I'd feel pretty good. Uh, but I'm going to take both those dynamic uh, tight ends. First Super Bowl with two uh, thousand yard tight ends on both sides. We're going to need to attack the middle of the field with Jimmy G. Uh, I like uh, I like these guys. And Kittle can play fullback in 21 sets. You might have just won the draft with that with that power play. Um, that's stunning. That really is. Mm. Um. Okay, well, I have no choice but to go with Tyreek Hill at mm. four. You sure with the character issues? Yeah. You, you, you're okay with having a guy like that on your team? Yeah, I need a, a figurative weapon for quarterback Mahomes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you just played right into my hand. Well, I have the fifth pick as well, dog. Oh, fuck. Um, but what did you mean by that? Huh. Um, well, I wanted your team to have low character. Okay. With the fifth pick, I will take the best back on the board and Raheem Mostert. You fucking idiot, dude. The backs don't matter. There's no really great backs on this board. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I will take Debo Samuel. Hmm. And he has zero touchdowns in the last six games, five receptions or less in the last eight straight. Breaks a lot of tackles, physical, a lot of inbreakers. I'm betting on him getting well and getting multiple touches north of five in the Super Bowl, especially uh, with me coaching this offense. Um, and probably he's going to find the end zone, so I like Debo. Okay. You have one more. Oh, gosh. You know, Every team needs a dominant tackle, don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're looking at me now, I have, golly, two of the best receiving tight ends, you know, individually the last decade or so. Um, I have Debo Samuel, an up-and-coming physical wide receiver, a lot of yak. Now we just need to protect Jimmy, and I'll take uh, Mitchell Schwartz. 88% grade, or an 88 Point zero, whatever the fuck that means, grade on PFF. Yeah. Also a really good right tackle, though, to be honest. Played against him a lot. Okay. Um, I will go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to shore that up. I'm going to go Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey. Oh, good for you. You got your tackles. A couple support. of tackles. Good for you. Uh, so I have Kittle, Samuel, I have Debo, and I have Schwartz. Um, and you 
Uh, you need some more time to do research. No, no, I'm just here. I'm just typing my uh, my guys up here. So I've got one tackle in Schwartz. I could go Brunskill. You could. I could go Eric Fisher. That's right. Um, I think I'll take Eric Fisher. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yep. You have another pick. Yep. Um, so I'll take uh, Eric Fisher and. Now, Eric Fisher is is a fine player, um, and he's going to play well with his his other tackle Mitchell Schwartz. But we need somebody to run the rock, don't we? Mm. Um, I have a feeling. And do I get a a healthy Tevin Coleman? Sure. Okay. I'm going to take Tevin Coleman with my sixth pick. Pick. Okay. Power back. Got the speed to hit the home run, but it's not afraid to run it right inside tackle. We're going to get in that big wing a lot. Collapse the edge down. One cut, bounce outside. Or just hit it downhill. We're throwing the ball around the yard, so we're taking Emmanuel Sanders and Sammy Watkins. Good for you. Thank you. Um, so at this point, I've got the best receiving or uh, tight end core of all time. You don't need to talk about your team at every No, it's pick. just helping me. Um, it's helping me, uh, you know, take a look at my roster, see what we need here. So we need two guards uh, and a center. Or we could just take another wide receiver. Now, I'm going to go ahead and take... Uh, hmm. Mm. Ben Garland. It's important to have a center who uh, is one of the better centers in the league, also going to be climbing Killy with waterboys.org here coming up after he might win a Super Bowl. Um, he's going to be my center. Okay. Jimmy G is comfortable with him. Uh, so we'll take Garland. Uh, and I will take, gosh, this could be the first big reach mm. of the entire draft. No, you know what? I'll do it. Kendrick Bourne. Hmm. And who would you say that is? Wide receiver. Okay. For the uh, San Francisco 49ers, number 84. We need a second guy. Wasn't on my big board, but that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's, okay. that's a nice pick. Uh, I'll go. I will go. I really should know how many picks I have left. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven off the board for me. Eight, nine. Um, let me go. Let me go. Stefan Wisniewski. Ah, oh, fuck. And uh, Lake and Tomlinson. Those are my guards. Ugh. Ugh. Guard is going to be an issue for my team. But you can cover a lot up on the interior with good center play, good tight ends. Good tight ends. Uh, I'll take Wiley and uh, LDT. Okay. You want to say his name? Tardif. <laughs> Tardif. Okay. Two guards. Wiley and, uh, and, and LDT. Okay. How many picks are left, Chris? Well, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players, so it looks like we both have one more. Eight, nine... We both have one left, huh? Yeah, I've got Kittle, Samuel. Uh, no, I've got Kittle, Kelsey, Debo, Schwartz, Fisher, 
Coleman, Garland, Bourne, Wiley, LDT. That's 10 players. Okay. Um, I have Mahomes, Mostert, Tyreek Hill, Emmanuel Sanders, Sammy Watkins, and I have my tackles and my guard. So I have nine. So I have two picks remaining. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Um, did we just fuck this whole draft thing up? I don't know. We'll see. We'll, uh, we'll see in a bit. If I do have two picks left, uh, I'm taking use check. Golly, we let the fullback fall pretty far, but I didn't need a fullback because Kittle's going to do that for me. And I don't either. I'm just keeping away from you, and I, and I need my center. I'm taking uh, Austin Ryder. Oh, that's great. I'm going to take Brita uh, to round out my 11. Now, let me make sure I have everybody here because the only way we lose this game is if we don't have enough men on the field. Uh, I've got, at center, Garland. I have Wiley and LDT at guard. I have Schwartz and Eric Fisher at tackle. That's five linemen there. Now, we're going to be in a lot of two tight end sets. Again, not to remind you, but we scooped up Kittle and Kelsey. That's seven players. And at receiver, we have Debo and Bourne. Um, Oh, I forgot to draft a quarterback. Yeah, and Jimmy G. Yeah. So let me not draft Breida and let me make that Jimmy G. Got it. I was wondering what the hell was missing. Obviously, it was the quarterback that from uh, pick two, uh, everybody knew that we were going to snag. My O-line is Staley, McGlinchey, Wisniewski, Tomlinson, and Ryder. That'd be five. Okay. Oh, yeah. And this is where it got weird because I don't have a tight end. Right. Okay. So and you're going to meet a lot of 10 personnel. Right. So then I have Mahomes as my sixth <laughs> Your player. Your team is terrible. Mostert, uh, seven. And then I have, my team is terrible. Then I have Tyreek Hill, Emmanuel Sanders, Sammy Watkins, and then my de facto tight end just ruined all of your s is kyle Uzcheck, and i'm gonna i'm gonna run you're gonna line show. him up and, and like everywhere everywhere okay you think of a place i'm lining him up there okay good luck matching up with my two-headed monster defensive draft coming wednesday yeah defensive draft coming wednesday and we'll base that off the offenses that's right that we've drafted today so thanks for hanging with us uh that was our draft again you can if you're watching on youtube you can check out our, uh, our our drafted teams right now. Um, so we got not much to watch this weekend. I don't know what the hell we'll talk about Tuesday. Probably the Super Bowl. Watch some chalk content. Oh yeah. Well, if you're sitting at home, yeah, watch the uh, Lane Johnson interview we did. Uh, look at some old stuff. We got Fishbowl uh, popping up on iTunes and uh, you know um, Spotify. All your little devices. Um, you know, you can watch them on your, you can listen to them on your, on your iPhone, right? For those of you who have kept Twitter, on you your can droids. watch clips there. Yeah, we've got links. Some, so yeah, we got good stuff up on Chalk, so check that out. And then Tuesday, uh, we'll be back before I head to Miami and take this show on the road. So thanks, and y'all take care. Take care of yourselves.